Hi, I'm Carmen LaBurge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge. Getting ready to represent Christ to your world today. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBurge on Faith Radio. Again, it's the second hour of Mornings with Carmen on this Friday, the 6th of August. Happens to be National Root Beer Float Day. Mm-hmm. Yummy. Root beer does not float, but the ice, ice cream, cream floats in root beer, right? Paul, do you like a good root beer float? Oh, on occasion, yes. I know I shouldn't, but I do like them. Mm-hmm. Today's the day you're allowed to have one. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so in my house, that would mean really high quality root beer and really high quality ice cream because we're only going to have a root beer float today. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> that brings up the question. What root beer do you use? Oh, you know, the one in the dark brown bottle. <laughs> <laughs> okay. My wife and I, we like to... Paul AC is now laughing at me. Is that not the right answer? <laughs> I don't know. No, Okay. For me... Um, my wife and I, whenever we're in Wisconsin, we like to find a place that has point root beer. It is, mm. it's really, really good. So, Paul, AC, do you have an answer to this question? Oh, it's A&W, right? It's going to be A&W. Yeah. That's what I, I grew up with. I oh, loved yeah. A&W root beer. It was the only fast food joint we had in our entire town. And the, the root beer floats were amazing. True enough. Okay. So I think the real issue is actually... Uh, uh, associated with the ice cream because you have to put really high quality ice cream in there or the whole thing just turns to just grossness. True. It's true. Yeah. yeah. I, so, I totally agree. Does splurge, go ahead and get the haagen the French vanilla, the, the, the real vanilla bean haagen for this particular uh, mm. day. Okay. Um, I had something prepared to talk about at the opening of the hour, but I've now run over that amount of time. So we're just going to have to talk about deep fakes on some other day because Paul AC is actually waiting to talk with us from Focus on the Families Plugged In. And so we're just going to jump to um, a little very brief. I mean, it's a it's a nano break. And then we'll be right back and we're going to talk about the Suicide Squad, Green Knight and I don't know, Vivo, Vivo. He's going to tell me how to pronounce it. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Thank you to Jennifer, who has weighed in on the root beer controversy of the day. She says 1919, and so I have Googled it. 1919, classic American draft root beer, which we could buy by the keg. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, that's That's, a lot of root beer floats. There you go. That's Paul Acey laughing it up. Paul, welcome to Morning for Carmen. Good morning. You know, as I was thinking during the commercial break, it, would it be like a sin to put a different flavor ice cream in in a root beer float? I mean, could you could you do it with chocolate? Could you do it with mint? I don't know. I I wonder whether we could expand our root beer horizons a little bit. I'm thinking that you would have to change the beverage option if you changed the like it's going to be a, it's going to be a different float pretty quickly. Like it's going to be yeah. a black cow or it's going to be a 
right? Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, I suppose you're right. I and maybe we shouldn't mess with, you know, time. No, I've already messed on. I've already messed with um with the listening community and they're already in revolt. So I don't know. <laughs> I I made a reference to a knock knock joke in the first hour and man, there was a lot of input related to that. So I've now I've messed with the root beer float. Who knows what kind of mutiny there will be in the carmination this morning? Oh my goodness. <sighs> All right, Paul, tell us about the um the suicide squad. Boy, the Suicide Squad. That's probably the biggest movie out this weekend. Uh, it's it's a weird sort of reboot slash sequel of the original Suicide Squad. They apparently didn't like the first one very much, uh, with reason. Uh, so they just titled the second one exactly the same thing, even though they bring back a lot of the same actors to, to appear in it. Viola Davis is in it. Margot Robbie is in it. You do have a new cast of characters. The Suicide Squad is essentially about these superhero villains Villains that gather together to do something good for a change without ever really becoming good themselves. And uh, and this sort of follows right along the the, the same pathway. Uh, the movie is directed by James Gunn, who a lot of people will remember very fondly for his work in, in the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. He is a very, very good filmmaker who has a talent for bringing humor into action-packed uh, films. He loves the underdog, and of course, this movie is filled with a bunch of underdogs, uh, misfits from from the DC universe, and it is as bloody as all get out. Um, when Deadpool came on the the horizon, you know, several years ago, Ryan Reynolds played Deadpool in what was really the very first R-rated movie. People were kind of shocked. It was it was a funny movie, but man, was it was it extreme in terms of its content. And that's something we had not seen in a superhero movie ever. This one ups the bar significantly. It has so much violence, so much blood, so much gore, tons and tons of swearing. It's R-rated, so it's definitely not something that you want to take your kids to. uh, But, you know, James Gunn, he knows how to make uh, an entertaining movie at the very least. Plugged in could never, ever, ever recommend it. But for those who are looking for a a really gross, really problematic superhero movie, well, The Suicide Squad might fit the bill. This is not going to surprise you, but there's a lot of interaction on the text line um, related to our prior conversation. So (laughs) I feel like I have to take a moment. I'm having a very formal conversation with Paul Acey from Focus on the Families Plugged In, and you're going to have to just go to PluggedIn.com to read the rest of the reviews today because we're going to have to give a little (laughs) attention to Mary. Uh, Mary just says, 1919 is the best. Just get the keg. So... Now, I think what is being proposed is some sort of Carmen root beer kegger. I don't know. That's happening. And then there is the there is David who says in response to your, you know, change it up idea. Yeah, you could you could all capital letters change it up. But why? Question marks, exclamation points. Would you? Jennifer, uh, Jennifer is back. Um, to say, um, yes, the vanilla ice cream is important. And then she tells me all of the places and varieties of ways I can buy the 1919. I'm just saying, like, people are people are uh, very helpful. And then we have this, um, this offer to you. Hey, tell Paul Acey he could make an Izzy float. Vanilla ice cream, cherries, and peach. Izzy's, oh, oh peach Izzy's on top. 
What's a peach Izzy? Wow. Well, isn't isn't Izzy like a a, a soft drink brand or 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 a, <gasps> oh a carbonated? Yeah, oh. I totally think that that might be a great thing to try. You know, yeah, the so question this, I have yeah. the the mm-hmm. whole nineteen nineteen thing it, it, it brings up a lot of questions. Number one is there some sort of nineteen nineteen cult out there? I mean, it feels like the the fans of of this particular brand. Here's what here. I've learned. Here's what I've learned. <laughs> the reason. <laughs> The reason it's so it's only it's one of those things that is still only regionally available. So you can only get the 1919 in the region where they can distribute it because it's a draft product. Oh, so it's it's, uh, you know, like you still have to apparently. But I don't know. I see it in cans. I don't know why we couldn't buy cans everywhere. But apparently the cans are not as good as the bottles. It's not as good as getting it on draft. That's why they're saying get the keg. I'm just telling, telling okay. you, this is what's so, on people's minds this morning. Well, wait, wait, I have a few more comments to share with you. Okay. Um, okay. Lois says, tell Paul to try the creamsicle. That's just orange pop with vanilla ice cream, which you can tell where she lives because she calls it pop. Um, and then. Uh, <laughs> man. Yeah, she lives in my neck of the woods. I call it pop, too. Thank you very much. <laughs> All right. Let's see. One more. Um, oh, you could just do what my depression era grandma did. Um, Hires root beer, which was diluted 50-50 with water. Oh, Grandma. See, that makes me a little bit sad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that doesn't seem right. Mm-hmm. But maybe it's better. Who knows? We do have uh, Dean and Carolyn signed up for the Carmen Kegger. I'm just telling you, people are RSVPing now on the text line to come to the root beer kegger. I don't know. We might have to do it at the Arboretum <laughs> where we're going to get the apple mash so we can make the redemption muffins when I'm in town for share. I mean, Paul, there's been a lot of planning going on this week uh, behind your back. <laughs> Apparently so. Okay, when we, we, let's take a very brief break. When we come back, you're going to talk with us about cross-dressing Muppet babies. Because that seems like a good segue. All right, that's, that's up a- next here on Mornings with Carmen. All right, we've got Paul Acey here from Focus on the Families Plugged In, and we're going to get very serious here. Let's talk about uh, Vivo and the review of Vivo posted at PluggedIn.com before we talk about cross-dressing Muppet babies. So, Paul, (laughs) okay, am I saying Vivo? Have I pronounced Vivo correctly? You got it exactly right. Vivo is this kinkajou. It's it's not a monkey. It's a kinkajou, which is very much like a monkey, uh, but he's a very musical monkey, monkey or <laughs> kinkajou. And he is voiced by Lin-Manuel Miranda, who you will remember is, is the creator behind Hamilton. Uh, this Netflix movie is a very, very, very sweet movie. I was very surprised by it, honestly. It's a musical, obviously, with Lin-Manuel Miranda's input. It was actually a creation that, that he had way back in 2010, I believe. And he wrote or co-wrote about 11 songs for the thing. Um, It's just this very sweet story of this kinkajou who goes on this quest to Florida uh, to bring a song. This is going to sound very strange, but to bring a song to this very, very famous singer from uh, the kinkajou's old owner who died. Uh, it, It sounds a little bit outlandish, but it's very sweet. It's a bit under the radar. So if you're looking for something family friendly to to watch this weekend, Vivo might fit the bill. Uh, all right. People are anxious to hear about uh, the cross-dressing Muppet babies. I got a, I got a what? With, you know, lots of A's, all caps, <laughs> question marks. Yeah. So it's, what, what, yeah. what? 
Yeah, yeah, it's a it is a very very strange thing. Now, in Muppet Babies, it's a it's a Disney Junior show uh, that that just began pretty recently, um, and it's it's exactly what you would expect. It's in design for preschoolers. It's a very sweet, very innocent uh, show for the most part. But recently, uh, in a show that that aired July twenty third, Gonzo. Uh, decided to go to a party dressed not as a knight, which he originally was going to, but as a princess. He goes as a princess because that's what he really wanted to be. Uh, he he was a little worried how how people might react to his his getup, uh, but he decided that that was what he wanted to do. Um, and and all of his friends, of course, welcomed and and supported and affirmed his choice to to wear this dress. Um, Obviously, cross-dressing characters in these animated shows are nothing new. We've seen it ever since Bugs Bunny first uh, just first rolled onto theaters. But but this is a very different thing. This is this is actually supporting the idea of of cross-dressing and tra- transgenderism, and and so you do have some some pretty problematic elements for for parents who might not want their own kids to be exposed to this or be exposed this early to it. For me, this is a parenting issue as much as it is a, 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 a television issue. Um, I understand that that television creators can can do whatever they want but but I do get upset no matter what sort of message they're giving uh, when they when they put messages when they try to to tell uh, kids how to feel or think about certain issues I think that I think very strongly that that's a parent's role um, and so that's that's kind of where I this is where I I sort of recoil from from what Muppet Babies has done. That's that's in the realm of parents. The last place that you want to go for for moral advice, I think, is a television set. Rosella's dad says that root beer does not taste nearly as good since they outlawed <laughs> sassafras. Did you? Wow. Did you even? I know. No, I, now I I'm researching no the. Now I'm researching when was sassafras when and why I, was sassafras outlawed? It, Do you know anything about the, I, this? No, I've the, never oh, heard because this. it's it's dangerous. The FDA, it's amazing what you can learn in just a nanosecond. The FDA has banned the banned the use of sassafras in 1979 following research that showed it caused cancer in rats. Well, hmm. You know dogs can't eat wow. chocolate. And so if the if they'd done research on how chocolate affected dogs, chocolate would be outlawed. <laughs> I'm just, I mean, I mean, I'm just saying, like, right. I, I don't, yeah. and I, and how much sassafras were the rats given? Probably more than was in your average root beer. I don't know. I, I feel like this is a controversy that should be revisited on behalf of Rosella's dad. <laughs> <sighs> I'm in favor okay. of bringing sassafras. I think I'm in favor of bringing back the sassafras. Let's any anything that's sassy, I'm probably going to like. Okay, so uh, I was reading about a new well, the the article is a new generation of TV shows changing the way we talk about sex. Has the sex scenes long awaited reckoning finally arrived? Paul Acey, has the sex scenes long awaited reckoning finally arrived? 
man, that is that is a question so packed with possible answers. <laughs> I, the the article of which you speak was was pretty jazzed about some of the things that they're seeing within within television shows, particularly teen oriented television shows. Uh, how sex is portrayed on screen? Uh, it feels a little more realistic. It involves some discomfort. Uh, the 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 author of the article, Bonnie. St- Ironberg uh, was pretty excited about kind of the, the trends that we see. You know, obviously coming from from the sit the seat where I sit, uh, it plugged in. I kind of don't think that that sex is a necessary thing for for t- television shows at all. Um, I, I I do get the idea that that what we see on the screen can impact us, and I think sex scenes especially so. I remember growing up, and and I learned what what sex looked like by watching by watching TV in a sense, and it did shape me in in some some not very good ways, I think. Uh, but when I think about how long these these We've had this, this screen-based entertainment. Movies have only been around for, for just a little over 100 years. Um, we've been a lot around a lot longer than that. I think our, our, our ancestors figured out the sex thing just fine without it being portrayed on screen. So that would be kind of my take. I, I think that, that whether it's more positive than it was back 10 years ago, I think the most positive trend would be to reel it back and maybe to not to show so much of it on the screen. So it might be interesting to do a little research project. Maybe somebody listening could take this up. Was there a rise in sales of twin beds when I Love Lucy portrayed Lucy (laughs) and Desi sleeping in separate twin beds? It's a good question. It's like, a very right? I yeah. I have known I have known some couples along the way um who slept in separate beds. I never really totally understood that nor did I know that there was like some evidence of that in television and I learned in this article that that comes from I Love Lucy. It's true. It's true. It was what the censors told they could only show people in a bedroom if they were sleeping in separate beds. It mm-hmm. does make you wonder how Ricky Jr. came about, but but mm-hmm. that's a question mm-hmm. for another. But you were left yeah. to wonder. You were just left you to wonder. Were, you were left mm-hmm. to wonder for sure. <laughs> it's wonderful to talk with you. Um, thank you for um, thank you for bringing such joy to the show this morning. We will tell everyone because they're going to start texting and asking. Not that they haven't loved you, and we'll probably now see if you could just replace Adam Holtz. But that that'll be a whole other controversy. <laughs> But they're going to wonder where he is. So Adam Holtz is off today because his kids qualified for some swimming championship. And so he's off today doing that. Is that correct? That is correct. I think we should all raise a root beer float toast to Adam and his kids. I love it. Root beer floats all around today. Apparently sassafras is what makes it good, but apparently also illegal. All right, Paul Acey, thank you as always so much. You guys can check out more at Focus on the Families, PluggedIn.com. We'll be right back. All right, thank you for the ongoing conversation we are having on the text line, 877-933-2484, about root beer. Thank you for the introduction to Dorothy and Dorothy's root beer which apparently has to do with the boundary waters of the canoe wilderness area, which President Truman cut off in terms of planes being able to land on the lakes. 
1949. Yes, I am all read in on Dorothy and Dorothy's root beer. Thank you. You guys are an endless source of inspiration and information today. You can always text me during the show, 877-933-2484. Next up, we're going to talk talk with Ann Polk. Um, Ann works with the Restored Hope Network. I've known Ann for a very long time. I know some of her backstory, which is why we are talking with her about an NPR documentary that has just been released. Um, It is former ex-gay leaders in the documentary denouncing, quote-unquote, conversion therapy. And Ann Polk um, knows some of the characters and has some thoughts on this. So she's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. This is Max Lucado. Andrew said to Jesus, There is a boy here with five loaves of barley bread and two fish. Oh, but what are these things when there are all these people? What is your version of all these people? It might be something as pedestrian as all this homework or all these long days. The disciples counted the hungry people, the money in their bag, the amount of bread and fish. They did not, however, count on Christ. And he was standing right there. The idea of soliciting his help did not dawn on them. Even so, Jesus went straight to work. The impossible challenge of feeding all these people became the unforgettable miracle of all these people fed. What we cannot do, Christ does. And he will help you. This is Max Lucado. Ann Polk joins us uh, again today. You can find her at RestoredHopeNetwork.org. Ann, welcome back. Hey, it's so great to hear your voice, Carmen. Thank you. So, Thanks for having me yeah, on. Yeah, absolutely. So it's um. So I will confess that uh, it's in the 2 minute 49 second trailer for the Pray Away official trailer on Netflix. Um, where I saw a woman in a yellow dress and then um, in an orange outfit, and I thought to myself, I recognize her. Um, mm. Right? So were you surprised to see a representation of yourself in this documentary? Tell people what we're talking about today. I was quite surprised, although in another sense I wasn't. Um, I've been on many um, major secular interviews in the past, including Oprah back in 2000 and, oh my goodness, I don't even, 1993, beg your pardon. So any of that footage could have been used without my permission, and indeed it was. I was just happy to not see personal home videos and home pictures in the documentary called Pray Away that my ex-husband decided to do. So, yeah, so there you have it. I was in a documentary. I did not... um, I was not asked to be officially by the um, producers of and um, did not was not able to um, not be in it. So I'm happy to respond to it as a result, though. Yeah. So you really lived the story that um, they're seeking to cover. They're obviously only covering one viewpoint and they're covering that viewpoint. They're presenting that viewpoint pretty stridently. Um, tell yeah. people what what the documentary Pray Away 
is about and um, and the viewpoint that it offers. Absolutely. I think the key part of the viewpoint is at, um, at one hour, 37 minutes into it. It's just a few minutes away from the credits at the very end. A fellow named Michael Busey, or sorry, Bussey is his pronunciation, um, states, as long as homophobia exists in this world, some version of Exodus will exist because it it is not the organization and not even the methods they use. It's the underlying belief. Hear that. It's the underlying belief that there's something intrinsically disordered or change-worthy about being gay. As long as that continues to exist, there will be some form of this. So, in other words, he's taking direct aim at scriptural sexual integrity, um, living out the gospel itself. And um, I had been gay as a young person. I'd, I'd not been. I had gay feelings. Um, there's a distinction. The current culture defines a person by their sexual feelings, and that's a really faulty line to use. Um, in, I embraced my homosexual and lesbian desires in college. Um, had been molested as a young girl, and that actually, um, I felt ashamed of being a girl. I felt shame from it. I felt shame and fear and a bunch of other responses at age four when I was molested by a teen boy. Um, And honestly, that is what projected me, propelled me into the homosexual life. It was a rejection of myself as a girl. And so reconnecting to that Um, later on involved homosexuality as an attempt to reconnect with myself and um, nurture myself. So odd enough, it might sound really odd, but that for a four-year-old little girl um, was an unstated reality that made a whole lot of sense. Um, So when I came to Christ, shortly after embracing lesbianism, I I gave him my all because I realized that that Jesus had the love I was always seeking for. And so at age 19, uh, after shortly embracing the long uh, feelings that I'd had for a really long time and expressed a little bit earlier in life, um, I gave my whole self to Jesus and received his forgiveness for everything I'd ever done. And at that point, I became his and he began working out a new story in my life, and that meant leaving homosexuality. Um, it is not only possible, I've experienced that. Um, so, And not only that, but the, the numbers bear it out. Of course, they're not represented in this film. And so they, they're constantly saying this is done to someone. Actually, all the people I knew were seeking for this kind of help because they wanted to walk in integrity in their sexual experience. They wanted to not necessarily become straight. They wanted to walk out obedience to Jesus. And predominantly, white evangelical men were the ones who were seeking this help. They knew that because in the APA, American Psychological Association Task Force report in 2009, it actually discussed that. So when they decided to demonize or vilify any kind of care, they knew it was already people seeking help who they were going to try and eliminate the opportunity for them to get help. So I find that to be really, um, well, it's hypocritical, it's lying, it's deceitful about motive. And um, almost all the documents I ever read in major media these days about so-called conversion therapy, no one's ever used that term. That's a 
that's what I call a kitchen sink term that you can throw anything bad that ever happened to a gay person into and then claim that people are currently doing it. It's really mm. unfair. Um, and honestly, they know that people aren't being coerced into doing this. They just want to get rid of the belief that, that they would need to leave homosexuality at all. Um, so they're really after the belief. They're not after these practices, which I'm amazed they admit, admit in this movie. But I'm thrilled they do finally. I mean, it's not the first time, but they make it very clearly in the very same accusation movie. Um, so I think it's, well, it's just very sad. And I think people deserve to pursue the goals that they want to. Even people who aren't Christians, who are LGBT identified, who go, well, I don't know if this is what I want. Let me see what other options there are for me. And certainly not to vilify the gospel because Jesus does redeem from every kind of sin, not just every other sexual sin except for homosexuality. Mm -hmm. um, I think the key point, Carmen, is that I think sexual feelings is a really bad identity hanger for your identity. I think it's, um, I think if anybody went around going, um, I feel this today, or I feel that, or I have a moment where this thought crossed my mind, I don't care what it is. And if you hang your identity on that, you're you're in pretty big danger. Um, so that's one of the problems I have with the film and the NPR piece and all the other articles that have come out on Esquire and Chicago Sun-Times and, and all these other ones that pick it up. Um, they're assuming coercion. They're assuming the person's not motivated. They're assuming some malicious intent behind it when it's the individual's desire to align with God's design. And um, there's nothing wrong with that. Everybody should be able to pursue the goal that they desire in counseling, pastoral care, and pastors and lay people and counselors should not be demonized for that. We're talking with Ann Polk. She heads up the Restored Hope Network. I commend their resources to you, RestoredHopeNetwork.org. We'll be right back. I can only imagine when that day comes And I find myself standing in the sun Continuing our conversation with Ann Polk, she is the executive director of the Restored Hope Network. You can find her and lots of really good resources at RestoredHopeNetwork.org. Um, Ann, let's pivot in this conversation. What happens when a person enters into a conversation with the Restored Hope Network? Let's say they are dealing with a grandchild who now identifies as trans. Let's say they are um Let's say they have a a friend, uh, a couple friend, and you know they've been long term friends with this couple, and now one of either the husband or the wife in that couple determines that they are same sex attracted and wants to leave that family um, to pursue those kinds of feelings. Those are the kinds of calls I know you get at the Restored Hope Network because those are precisely the people I have referred to you. Um, what happens when a person enters into a conversation with the Restored Hope Network? Well, um, great question. They call our office and we set up an appointment. It's not a counseling appointment, but rather a touch base, kind of an ER. If you think of an ER, they do a, an assessment testing sort of thing where I get to talk to the person, see where they're really at, where they're coming from, and do some initial um, 
um, just real quick support for them and prayer support and then refer them to local support in their area or long-term, more long-term care. So that's what happens in my office. Um, I definitely these days check to make sure that a person's serious about wanting help um, and that it's not some ruse. So believe it or not, that's part of my job is to discern that, whether somebody's really wanting help or not. And um, it's unfortunate the number of people who call who are just trying to set us up. So I think that's unfair and um, somewhat dishonest. One guy laughed in my ear and said, oh, by the way, I'm just kidding. And I mm. thought, you know, I <laughs> I laughed. I just, I just thought, you know, if you ever want to know Jesus and know his love for you, that option's open. And um, just keep in mind that the gospel is powerful. And it's not about changing him from gay to straight, but rather to redeemed. Um, mm-hmm. And and then walking alongside of what God has planned. So what we do is go from a scriptural uh, standpoint. God's word's eternal. It's going to outlast all this world. Um, and And with a heart of compassion, really listen to the people who are sharing where they're coming from. Maybe where a little bit of it's off as far as scripturally thinking, and then um, essentially stop the bleeding, if at all possible, emotionally and otherwise, and really support them, give them a sense that they matter, which is absolutely true, and uh, their story is not unimportant. It's very important. And um, and let them know that there is help if they're seeking that, and there are better ways to uh, to make it through, including support for those who are really hurting from a loved one who is abandoning scriptural principle and heading into some pretty dangerous pathways like the trans movement is a is a very dark route. It's a very dark route because 41% or slightly less actually do complete suicide. In other words, they commit suicide successfully after having surgery. And so it's a you know, that's a high percentage. Um, mm-hmm. I would hate for anyone to go down that pathway. But if they if they do, um, the family's going to need a lot of support just to survive um, and sort through how to respond and um, how to love their loved one without rejecting them, how to, um, how to have safe boundaries for themselves while maintaining relationship. And, and that's what we do. So um, local ministries do that. We have spousal support. We have parent support. We've got support for those who themselves struggle with um, same-sex attraction or gender confusion, which I prefer to use compared to dysphoria, which implies there's something wrong with the fact they feel uncomfortable in their body. Um, that, that, That uncomfortableness is what has to be resolved rather than, um, and that points towards um, physical transition, which is surgery and cross-sex hormones and cross-sex dressing, where scripture says that's not the way to go. Um, that's, a, that's a dangerous pathway too. Um, so we really try and walk alongside of people where they can sort out, does it matter what they think, what, what scripture says to them? Um, if it does, then let's talk it through. If it doesn't, Let's talk about the other realities that you may be facing in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so just a heart of compassion, a bunch of truth told carefully with a tender heart is what we're after and what we try to do. So, 
I have uh, another question to ask you, um, but I also want to spend some time praying for you and the ministry today. So I'm going to ask you the question, but just keep in mind, I'd love to preserve a minute for us to pray at the end. Um, One of the... One of the things that is said frequently, and it's said in the documentary, is that, you know, not only pastors, but the rest of us, like if we want to love, if we want to do what's loving, if we want to love people, then we would not only allow for this, we would confirm this, we would affirm it, we would celebrate their confusion. Um, What is love and what is loving in the midst of this conversation? Well, I think we, we can't separate love from truth. There are bedrock truths scripturally that a pastor would have to jettison in order to affirm a person's um, faulty identity. And so I think it's really, really important to keep in mind scripture as a pastor or a script or a a Christian leader. And um, I love this part of 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. I'm probably not going to read all of it because it's kind of long, but do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? God's definition, unfortunately, of our sin, well, it's just reality, isn't it, is that it's wicked. It distorts the image that he intended. So 1 Corinthians 6, 9, do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who submit to or perform homosexual acts, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor the drunkards, nor verbal abusers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. That's pretty intense wording from the Lord. The Mm. happy news is at the end, and that is what some of you were, but you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. God's not changing his moral standards to fit today's philosophies. He is not going to do that. And it's to, for our own better um, as well that he doesn't. He intends the body not for sexual immorality, but for, for him. Mm-hmm. He actually says that he comes and dwells with us and that we should flee sexual immorality. And in the Old Testament, he clearly condemns cross-dressing. And that's social transitioning. That's the first step most people go into. Honestly, I think if we lose the plumb line of what truth is, if we don't care what truth is, if we don't care that 41% commit suicide and get more confused as a result of the pathway, I think we're endangering them as well. And I don't think that's compassionate at all. So Mm -hmm. I think we've got to stay somewhere right in the middle between compassion and not capitulation (laughs) to the emotional persuasion that's going on here, and truth, but not hard truth, compassionate truth. So there's this beautiful melding that Jesus exhibits in his life. He didn't change his views on stealing, but he ate with Thomas, the tax collector. And the tax collector repented and said, I'll return up to four times what I've taken from people. Honestly, that's repentance. That's the narrow way. That's the way of redemption. And um, I, I would hate to close that way. That is just not acceptable because that is the way of the gospel. And mm-hmm. to counter an idea in the film, um, they mentioned I wanted to be good. And, um, you know, there's no way for us humans to be good in God's sight apart from just humbly surrendering our entire selves to him. 
and asking for his righteousness to cover us and to forgive us all our sins. That's actually the gospel. Yeah. And let us pray for you. Thank you. Father, we thank you for our sister, Anne. We thank you that she is redeemed in Christ. We thank you that the Holy Spirit is animating her life. We ask that you would guard her heart. We ask that you would continue to strengthen her inner being. We ask that you would continue to be present and active and working um, in the midst of this very difficult mission field to which you have called her. She is uniquely prepared and equipped for this calling And we acknowledge that uh, full well. We also acknowledge the depth of her grief and her pain um, and the friends with whom she walks this journey. And so strengthen her, Father. Thank you for um, who she is, who you have created her to be, the particular gifts, talents, and abilities with which you have endowed her. And I would simply ask, Father, for your hand of blessing and protection upon Anne and the ministry of the Restored Hope Network in this particular day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much, Carmen. I really Thank you, my it. sister. Thank you, my sister. Thank we'll you, talk sir. again. That's Ann Polk. Okay. You can find resources at restoredhopenetwork.org. We'll be right back. Oh, Paul says I'm taking it to the end now because I've run over my break, which I committed to him I would not do. So today is the day of the root beer float. Thank you for all of your interaction on the text line. Really appreciate it. Thank you for the prayers you all have lifted up during this conversation for Ann. Several of you have texted in just saying, I'm now praying for Anne. I'm praying for Anne. Thank you so much. Pray for others like Anne who are um, walking this path today with those who are sexually broken and confused in our culture. People who have Jesus in their hearts and on their minds and advancing his kingdom purposes in this generation. I'm praying for you today. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.